Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor as we talk about college football, Cyclone basketball, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 146. Against FBS opponents this year, Gabe Burkich, Oklahoma's kicker, has scored more points, that's 59 points for the Sooners, than Spencer Rattler has at only 48 points, proving the fact that Rattler got rattled this past week. Hashtag benched. Yeah. I feel bad. Spencer Rattler did get benched um, this week during the Red River rivalry. We'll give you more about that in a little bit. But first, we've got to preview next week's game of the Cyclone football season. Of course, they were on bye this previous week. That is why we are not um, wrapping up a week, a game from last week. Um, so they're playing K-State in Manhattan on Saturday. It'll be a 6.30 kickoff on ESPN2. Um, according to Vegas, Iowa State is a six-and-a-half point favorite um, in this game. So even on the road... Um, the Vegas likes us, and ESPN's FPI also likes us, giving us a 77% chance to win this game. Also, have any of you looked, do you know FPI still ranks Iowa State eighth in the nation, despite the two losses? Wow. That, that could have been a fun fact that I never would have guessed. Uh, yeah. So that's why you get... Uh, sort of that uh, lopsided uh, FPI result there because it's still FPI is still a big fan of Iowa State, so FPI believes Iowa State can run the table here, and so, and also Vegas believes that this game continues to pull a little bit in Iowa State's favor. The opening line was six; it has since moved to six and a half. Um, just some total total stats. Uh, on the year between the two teams in comparison as we look forward to this matchup. Um, total yards per game, Iowa State absolutely dominates K-State in that category. 446 uh, for Iowa State to only 372 for K-State. Um, K-State is not known for a lethal uh, offensive attack um, like the Cliff Kingsbury Texas Tech Red Raiders were or the Lincoln Riley Oklahoma Sooners. Um, they are a team that plays smash mouth football that doesn't shoot themselves in the foot often. Um, K-State is very, very good on third down. Um, they are, well, I say very, very good. They're 91st in the nation, but they are better than Iowa State in that category. Uh, they're making third downs at about a 40% clip. Um, but then the de- on the defensive side of things, uh, Iowa State pretty much owns all categories here. Uh, in total defense, total yards, Iowa State is 13th in the nation. K-State is 112th. Uh, passing yards, Iowa State is 9th at 144 per game, and K-State is 203rd at 256 per game. Uh, so look for Brees Hall to have a big game. Um, I would assume there will be a lot of play action to help try and uh, bring some of those safeties down, maybe get Xavier Hutchinson, Tariq Milton free uh, going deep, or maybe Charlie Kohler up the seam. Uh, but I, I would say look for a heavy, heavy dosage of Brees Hall this week for Iowa State. Yeah, 
And I think for me, the key is going to be touchbacks, 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 touchbacks. K-State did have a kick return touchdown against Oklahoma when they played Oklahoma um, a couple weeks ago. Don't let special teams be the reason you lose this game. Touchbacks, touchbacks, touchbacks. Going to be key. You'll win this game if you don't give up a, a special teams touchdown. I, and that is so true. What is K-State forever and ever? K-State has always been solid at, in two categories, penalties and special teams. You can count K-State for at least two to three special teams touchdowns per season. I mean, that's how good they've been all, dating back to the Bill Snyder era uh, when he was the roaming roaming the sidelines as the, the elderly uh giant that he was um in the college football landscape and it's it's true they just don't make mistakes and they win those those battles that really flip momentum in football games so stay away from that it's going to be obviously in manhattan it they've always have a good crowd there uh k-state fans show up and as we had learned from a trivia uh question this past week for our fantasy football league Farmageddon is the longest running uh, rivalry between two teams that has had no breaks. Um, so they the longest consecutive uh, rivalry between these two teams. So should be a good one. Should be a barn, barn burner. Uh, 6.30. Be there. I might actually be there. So it'll be it'll, hopefully it's a better outcome than two years ago. Quick clarification, because somebody's going to come at me for that one. Uh, it's the longest consecutive rivalry, like Kyle said, that has never had a break in it. So if, if any rivalry, even though it's longer consecutively than Farmageddon, has a break at any point in time in that year, it is disqualified from that ranking, if that makes any sense. So that's why Minnesota and Wisconsin, which is the longest active rivalry, is not correct. the answer to that there, there was a break. Um, other things that happened across college football this week... Um, I guess it's finally time to admit, even though we're sort of in denial, I think it's finally time to admit that Iowa might be good. Um, the offense isn't particularly good, but that defense and that punter can change the game. Like, he had, what, three punts inside the five last week against Penn State? Like, that punt unit alone for Iowa is incredible. They beat um, number three Penn State in Kinnick. Um, by three points, basically because they could punt. Um, basically, that's what it came down to. Penn State was pinned inside their own 20 pretty much for the entire second half, and they, they couldn't do much with it. Um, Iowa moved up to number two in the nation with that win, just behind um, uh, Georgia, because Alabama lost. Texas A&M beat Alabama. It's just not something you see. You always see Alabama being the one who wins those close ball games, um, even on the road. And this year they lost. They look a little bit human this year. Alabama does. They're still in a decent position to make the, the playoff, but they did lose, and that's a little bit of a problem. So that's how Iowa moved up to number two. Um, across the Big 12, though, like we mentioned, that Red River rivalry game was insane. So the Longhorns, Texas, jumped out to a... 14-point lead in the first two minutes of the game because their first play from scrimmage went 75 yards for a touchdown. 
and then they blocked Oklahoma's punt after three and out and scored again two plays later. So they were up 14 nothing before some of the fans had even found their seats. Um, they were up by 21 points at one point, a big lead at halftime. But Oklahoma came storming back in the second half to tie it. And then they were just sort of running a draw to run out the clock at the end of regulation and go to overtime. And Texas decides they'll let him run like 60 yards for the game-winning touchdown instead. Like, how can you not be ready for a draw there? Like, anyway, it's probably the worst loss in Texas football history. And that's probably not an exaggeration. Can anybody think of a worse one? Like, you had, you had your rival on the ropes. Um, and you couldn't beat him. You just, you, yeah. You got to win that game if you're Texas. It was heck of a game. Props on, uh, props on Oklahoma. Um, good for them. So, but the only we'll loss see. I can think of that, that might have been comparable, which didn't happen, was when Texas almost lost to Kansas. Right, two, two years right. ago when they got bailed yeah, out by some favorable clock operation to avoid losing to Kansas. It, mm-hmm. Exactly. That, that would have been worse, but not by much. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, it leaves Oklahoma in the driver's seat in the Big 12, along with Oklahoma State. Um, so that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Those two teams are in the driver's seat. Iowa State is still yet to play both of those. So we'll keep an eye on the Big 12 standings as the season goes on. And and Oklahoma State and Texas actually played this week. Uh, so depending on the outcome of that game, that either puts Oklahoma even further ahead of, in the uh race for Big 12 crown, or it puts um, OU and Oklahoma State on a uh, on a charted course for a clash in the uh, in Bedlam this year. So that'll be something to watch out for for sure. Um, going so looking at uh, some of the bigger bigger pictures in college football right now, uh, when we look at Iowa and talking about how good they are, they could be, um, Man, they have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch, too, in that Big Big Ten uh, West um, with games Purdue, a bye week at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, and then at Nebraska. So this that team could potentially run the table. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And Alabama does have a tougher slate. Georgia this week, if you're if you're looking for a team that could potentially stay number one all season, they have a de facto SEC East championship game this week. Uh, if they end up beating Kentucky, uh, you can almost chalk that up to Georgia to win the SEC East um, as they will be. They have already beaten Florida. Florida has lost already, so they will have zero competition outside of Kentucky following. So. Uh, kind of a pivotal week in some matchups for in football, but we are going to shake it up with some, well, n- now not so breaking Cyclone men's basketball news. If y'all had paid attention to the headlines, uh, either Cyclone Fanatic, Des Moines Register, any of that, Xavier Foster this week uh, was dismissed from the men's basketball program. Uh I had seen from Randy Peterson that there is an investigation into a sexual assault allegation uh, leveraged against Xavier Foster. I And basically from what Randy Peterson was reporting, that was one of the reasons. Uh, in TJ's um, 
press release, he basically said they they hold their players to a standard on the court and off the court, which has to uh, allude to an off the court issue, which Randy Peterson did report. So that is some big news for Iowa State losing a, I mean, key piece for what what was going to be a, a cog to build this team around going forward. Um, a guy who could play inside and step out and shoot. So it's a big loss. Uh, and I guess this year, if TJ's team is bad, he has something else. He has a has a potential option to blame put the blame on. But we'll see how that goes. 29 days, the countdown until the tip-off of the men's basketball season is just 29 days away. It is close, ladies and gentlemen. If you are excited for Hilton Magic, Get ready. Uh, always exciting and always um, heart-wrenching are NFL kickers this year. Um, Mike has some experience with it, and uh, I, I, I want I want to throw it over to you to kind of describe what happened in kicking land this, this week. Yeah. So the NFC North just had some kicking adventures. Um, in general. I guess I don't know about the Bears. I think the Bears kicked fine. The rest of the league, though, is involved in crazy kicks. Um, starting with the Vikings. Um, so, they make a 50... Greg Joseph makes a 50-plus yard field goal to put the Vikings up by 10 in the fourth quarter. He then proceeds to miss a 46-yard field goal short. Not left... He missed it short. When was the last time you saw an NFL kicker miss a 40-yard field goal, or 40, between 40 and 50-yard field goal short? He misses it short um, to prevent the Vikings from going up 13. Anyway, wind down to the last minute. Minnesota fumbles in Lions territory. The Lions pick it up, score a touchdown, go for two, and make it to go up by a point. But then Kirk Cousins, with two passes to Adam Thielen, puts the Vikings in long field goal range again. And this time, Greg Joseph makes the game-winning field goal, again for more than 50 yards. It's amazing. For someone that hates kickers like Mike Zimmer does, his job was probably just saved by a kicker. Because if Greg Joseph misses that kick, Mike Zimmer's probably looking for a job right now. I think he probably would have gotten fired this afternoon had Greg Joseph missed that kick and the Vikings would have lost to the Lions. But he made it. Mike Zimmer still has a job, and the Vikings still have an outside shot at the playoffs. The season isn't over. I I have a fun fact in regards to that kick uh, between the Vikings and the Lions. Uh, that so the Lions are the first team in NFL history to lose to two fifty-plus yard field goals with zero seconds remaining on the clock uh, in the same season. So. That, I, I mean, just absolutely gut-wrenching for Lions fans. They're close. Dan Campbell was crying in his press conference after the game. It kind of sucked to see that. But, hey, Minnesota still has Mike Zimmer. Um, but it, d- does Green Bay need to hold on to Mason Crosby? Or, I mean, should they be in the market for, for a new leg in Lambeau? It was even weirder in, uh, in uh, Cincinnati. So... The Bengals and Packers kickers between the last three minutes of regulation and overtime combined to miss five field goals. Mason Crosby missed a 30-some yarder with two and a half minutes left. The Bengals then missed a 50-yarder plus yarder off the upright with 30 seconds left. 
Crosby missed a 51 yarder as time expired. We go to overtime. Joe Burrow throws a ridiculous interception. The Packers are set up for 40 yard field goal. Crosby misses that. The Bengals drive down, have a mid length field goal. They miss that. It hits the flag on the top of the upright. It hits the flag and they miss that. Um, and then the Packers are down. And Mason Crosby wins it on a field goal in the end anyway. Just insane, um, that game. But no, the Packers should not be looking for a kicker to answer your question. This happens to Mason Crosby every once in a while. It just sort of does. Um, he'll be fine. I have no reason to expect he won't be fine. If in two weeks this is still a problem, um, come talk to me. But for now, no, I think he's fine. But there, there might be a problem in Kansas City, Kyle. Can you uh, tell me what's going on there in Kansas City? Um, I mean, it's pretty easy. Turnovers uh, are a big issue. Uh, three turnovers for the Chiefs uh, this week on Sunday Night Football, and you can't overcome turnovers with a defense this terrible. Uh, I mean, the defense can't stop uh, anything, really, and it doesn't help that there's a bunch of injuries on the defense. I'm not going to pin it too much on that because every NFL team deals with injuries. You have to overcome it. Uh, There's something wrong with the plan, uh, the defensive game plan. I don't know if this is... uh, if Spags is coaching for his job here uh, over the next couple of weeks, but there is just a lack of focus. And honestly, it looks like a lack of will on this team as well. Uh, The injuries only got worse coming out of Sunday night football. The chiefs lose their starting running back for at least three weeks. And Joe Tooney is missing an indefinite amount of time after he fractures his hand, kind of important as an offensive lineman, really unfortunate after you sign him for $62 million uh, to lose him this early in a season. So the offensive line has played great. They did, they revamped that offensive line and it's doing wonders uh, they really hit on some draft picks, but man, this defense looks atrocious. I, I mean, it, it they will probably be the worst defense in the league at the end of the season by far. So, yeah, it, it's hard to overcome that when you hard to overcome turnovers when you have that kind of defense. So, injuries played a big factor uh, this week, not just for the Chiefs. Um, there were injuries all over. Russell Wilson is going to be out for potentially four weeks uh his dislocated finger looked pretty gruesome um when he was running off the field uh geno smith came in and was throwing some dimes uh all over the field but he threw a costly interception at the end of the game after tyler lockett was tripped fell down uh doesn't matter uh seahawks lost so we'll see how they look going forward uh with some tough divisional games without russell wilson Uh, The Giants basically lose their entire football team. Uh, Mike Glennon is now their starting quarterback with Daniel Jones out. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a swollen ankle the size of an oak tree that's been in the ground for 150 years. And uh, I mean, it, it is amazing and incredible how often Giants players get injured. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the problem is there. They they need to get their athletic training system or their strength and conditioning coaches figured out because they're losing bodies left and right. Um, 
or they need to take whatever Tom Brady is taking because he has been absolutely on fire so far this season. Another 300-yard passing game for the ageless wonder that is Tom Brady. He had four touchdown passes as well. Um, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... Five touchdown passes. Oh, he had five touchdown passes. And Excuse 400 me. yards passing. 400 yards passing. So, so far this season... Uh, he's averaging 350 yards per game through the air, only 15 or only 15 touchdowns, 15 touchdowns, only two interceptions, uh, is what I was looking for there. Um, nearly 2000, nearly 1800 yards through the air so far. Um, he could be an MVP in his age. What is it? 44 season, age 45 season, somewhere in there. So, I mean, like it. He's an old man, but he could be an MVP this season uh, with that team. Um, speaking of potential MVPs, Kyler Murray just keeps rolling on in the desert. Uh, they top San Francisco without Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance's first start. Uh, the Cardinals remain unbeaten at 5-0, and and they are in the driver's seat of that NFC West with wins already over the LA Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. So... We will keep you updated on all things NFL, but MLB postseason is in full swing, and it has been a pretty good postseason so far. Uh, Mike, do you want to kind of recap us and catch us up to speed on what's going on, all things baseball? Yeah, so across the American League in the wild card game, remember it was Yankees versus Red Sox. The Red Sox got the best of the Yankees, um, that game being at Fenway Park, and they knocked out the Yankees. Um, so they moved on to the ALDS, um, where they are playing the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, as we are recording this, the Red Sox have a 2-1 to one series lead and are tied at 5 in the ninth inning of Game 4. Um, so by the time you hear this, there's a greater than 50% chance that that series is over and Boston has won it. But we don't know right at the moment. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, in the other series, Houston has a 2-1 to one lead over the White Sox. Game 4 was postponed. Um today because of rain in Chicago. Um, so that will be played on Tuesday instead. Um, did you guys see the non-allegation allegations by a White Sox pitcher that the Astros were stealing signs some more? No, like, but I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, yeah, but there's, he's got nothing. He, he literally said they struck out more in Chicago than they did in Houston. So, you sample size is a game? Like, you can't tell from one game. It's like, anyway. No, Mike, a sample size of one is sufficient. It is not. I'm I'm sorry to tell you, but it is is not sufficient. So so we'll keep an eye on that. Anyway, game four will be tomorrow um, if the weather clears up in Chicago. So we will keep an eye on that. Um, In the NLDS... The Cardinals and Dodgers um, played a thriller of a wild card game, a real pitcher's duel there, before the Dodgers um, ended up winning that on a walk-off. So the Dodgers advanced to play the Giants in the wild card game. First ever time two 100-win teams have matched up in a playoff series. 
um, which also, you know, makes it the most wins ever in the same playoff series um, as a result. That series is currently tied at one with game three um, scoreless as we are recording this podcast. I mean, the other series, the Braves have uh, managed to shut down Milwaukee's uh, little bit sluggish offense to take a 2-1 series lead with game four going to be played on Tuesday in Milwaukee. Um, Basically, it doesn't look good for all of the teams I wanted to win is essentially... Game four is played in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yes. Sorry, yeah. I misspoke. Yes. But it doesn't look good for all the teams that I wanted to win. Um, so that's that's sort of unfortunate. But we'll keep you informed on uh, what's going on with the playoffs on next week's episode, or if this Red Sox-Rays game ends before this episode's over, um, I'll be sure to to let you know too, because I probably won't be able to contain my excitement. So it's probably going to end up on there either way. Um, so we'll keep you uh, up to speed on that. But in the meantime, we'll move on to our signature segment, Mike's Stupid Rules. And we're actually going with a double edition of Mike's Stupid Rules this week. Since October is a month where there's a ton of sports crossover. Keep in mind that NHL and NBA seasons both start within the next week and a half. So you're going to have all four major sports playing here um, starting next week. So we're going to do a double episode because we got lots of interesting rules, things happening. First, we're going to talk about something from that Texas A&M Alabama game where we're going to see that um, we're going to talk about defensive delay of game. So Texas A&M got called for delay of game twice on defense. Um, So what we're going to look at here is Rule 7, Section 1, Article 5, Section A, Parts 4 and 5 are the rules we're looking at here in the NCAA rulebook. There are two ways that the defense can be called for delay of game. Um, First one is players aligned in a stationary position within one yard of scrimmage may not make quick, abrupt, or exaggerated actions not part of normal defensive player movements. So that would be defensive delay of game. Um, So that doesn't include things like shifts or stunts or anything um, on the defensive line. It just basically includes if you're like flinching forward every second, um, you're going to get called for delay game for doing that. The other one is no player shall use words or signals that disconcert opponents when they are prepping to put the ball into play. No player may call defensive signals that simulate the sound cadence of or otherwise interfere with the offensive starting signals. So basically what this means is you can't do things like on defense, say, hot, 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 hike, hike, things like that. Or if they're doing a, if you're on the road and they're doing a, the clap snap, like you see often in college, clapping to try to get the center to snap the football would also result in um, this delay of game penalty. I wasn't watching to see exactly what Texas A&M did, but yes, you can get called for a delay of game on defense, and those are the two ways. Um, so it has nothing to do with the play clock. That's only with the with the offense. But those are the two ways you can get called for delay of game on defense. Any questions bonus. on that? No, but I do have a bonus fun fact here. Um, 
uh, high school rules are actually slightly different. Uh, NFHS has a separate penalty for a disconcerting act, is what it's called. Uh, instead of defensive delay a game for whatever reason, it's it's the old illegal equipment single uh, signal. It's a five-yard penalty, just like a defensive delay a game. But for whatever reason, it's its own separate penalty. The second one we're going to go to is to Major League Baseball, where we had a little bit of a wacky play um, late in the game between the Rays and the Dodger uh, and the Red Sox. And by late in the game, I mean in extra innings. Game three was a wild one that went to extra innings before the Red Sox walked it off. So what happened on this play is um, a Tampa Bay player, I don't remember who, hit a deep fly ball that ended up bouncing hard off that short right field wall, that bullpen, or sorry, yeah, the right field wall, that bullpen wall um, in Fenway Park. It bounced hard off the wall, bounced off the dirt, hit the leg, foot, ankle area of the defensive player, and then bounced over that fence. Um, now, it was ruled a ground rule double on the field, and that's can be really confusing, right? Because it, it hit a player, right? So how does the fact that it hit a player um, have to do with that? Um, so what we're going to look at is we're going to look at section uh, 5.5, section A, part 8, um, which says any bounding fair ball is deflected by a fielder into the stands or over or under a fence on fair or foul territory, in which case the batter and all runners shall be entitled to advance two bases. So, a couple things to clarify here. So, first of all, the it was no longer a um, it was no longer a batted ball per se because it had hit the fence and the ground. So that's why this differs from like bounces off the player's glove or head and over the fence. Right? It can no longer be a home run once it's hit the fence or the ground. So we'll do that right away. That's how we rule out home run. Not a home run because it's the fence than the ground. Now the other thing is, the other point of clarification, right, is how does this prevent, right, the fielder, right, in that situation. The run was going to score because there were two outs. There was a runner on first. So this prevented a run from scoring. So why doesn't the fielder in a situation like this just pick up the ball and chuck it into the stands? right? In his two bases, ground rule double, right? So this specifically says is deflected by a fielder. The penalty for when a fielder were to throw the ball, when a thrown ball or a, uh, when a thrown ball or a ball by an act of a fielder, an intentional act of a fielder ends up in the stands, is umpire's discretion at the bases, right? Think of an overthrow at first base that goes into the camera well, right? That's not a ground rule double. That's a discretion of the umpires to where um, to put the runners. So that's the difference. Um, since it was an unintentional act and it was never um, possessed by the fielder, that's why this ended up as a ground rule double under Rule 5.5, Section A, Part 8. So there you go. That is why it is a ground rule double there and not a home run. It might be weird and you might think it was wrong, but it was the right call. I was very confused at the time. I had to go to the rule book to look this one up to figure out why it wasn't umpire's discretion um, for those bases there. Um, but that is why. So there you go. Now you have it. Any questions on that rule? No, that was a really good breakdown. I definitely would not have known that. That's, uh, that's wild. 
yeah, I also would not have known that. So speaking of good breakdowns, you want to break down how well we're doing with our write that down predictions and our accountability session? Yes, I will absolutely break down um, our accountability session. We only had one prediction um, come off the board this week. I predicted the Dodgers would lose the wild card game. That did not happen. So for that, I get a That is it for our accountability session. Now, before we get into our predictions, I need some clarification about one of... um, one of the rules or one of the predictions that um, Kyle made a few weeks ago. Kyle at one point predicted that the Chiefs would be a three seed or worse in the playoffs. Now, does this mean the Chiefs have to make the playoffs and be a three seed or worse? Or that if they don't make the playoffs, is this prediction still right? They have to make the playoffs and be a three seed or worse. Because a three seed in the playoffs, in the playoffs... Okay, so they have to make the playoffs. I just wanted to clarify, at the time it was like, yeah, duh, the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter. But then, um, but then you know, now they've lost two and a little bit more iffy, so I figured I'd clarify before we get into a, uh, get into a conversation about it later. So, all right, that's clarification. That being said, I'll put my prediction on the board. Um, I am going to predict that despite his job being saved this year, Mike Zimmer will get fired before the start of next season. That's my prediction. His job was saved for a week, but he'll still get fired before the start of next season. When do you, when so when do you qualify the start of next season? The start of training camp. Start of training camp next year. I mean, okay. if he's gonna get fired, he's gonna get fired. Right. You know, like three days before or three days after the season ends. So. Yeah. Uh. Oh man. What are I actually I want to look up something real quick. I want to look up the Vikings chances to make the playoffs. According to 538, the Vikings chances to make the playoffs are 24%. Cuz I feel like if the Vikings don't make the playoffs this year, that's a pretty big qualification to fire your head coach. He's been around for a while. This is like his ninth season, eighth or ninth season in Minnesota, so it's not like he's a uh, young short tenured coach so, so uh, uh what, so do we, what, what, what do you give it i can't give uh, it I, i'm i'm kind of uh, feeling like a double. what do you think Wyatt? uh i'm kind of thinking the double i think i think that's where my head's at i'm good with the do double. It. i'll take a double double it is do we have any uh, thing from josh this week is he still alive he is still alive he's getting settled into milwaukee um he is predicting that the Brewers will um, come back and um, and win the uh, series that they're currently um, playing against Atlanta. We're going to roll back to our accountability session. Kyle predicted that the Rays would win the World Series. The Red Sox just walked off the Rays in the bottom of the ninth. Breaking news on 8311 cast. So we are going to live... First time ever in 8311 cast history. We are going to live take a prediction off the board. Kyle, the Rays did not win the World Series, so you get a nah. Nah, nah. I mean, uh, all are kind okay, of dumb. so they all of us are dumb. Yeah. Because we literally all predicted that the Rays would win the World Series. 
I was just the only one who looks stupid on paper because <laughs> I was the only one that predicted it. So to the Rays, I didn't. I didn't write thanks. it down. You have no evidence that I predicted that. I didn't write it down. Nobody wrote it we, down. It, it's it is on a recording and it's in the <laughs> interwebs. So there you go. Anyway, back to Josh's prediction. I apologize for the interruption. Back to Josh's prediction that the Brewers um, end up winning this series. According to 538, they have a 22% chance to come back and win this series. According to Fangraphs, they have a 26% chance to come back and win this series. This seems like double territory to me. Yeah. Yeah. Double. Double Double. it is. Wyatt, what do you got? I'm going to say that Urban Meyer is the next head coach to uh, either resign or be fired out of the NFL. Yeah. Um, Who's on the hot mention? seat, really? Yeah, I mean, he's on the hot seat. Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat. Matt Nagy is on the hot seat in Chicago. I mean, Chicago's won two games in a row, so I'm not exactly sure his seat's quite as hot anymore. Yeah. Um, man, I... Wow. It seems pretty likely. What do we want to give this? Double? I'm thinking double again. I don't have any reason oh, to make it a double. I dig it. Double it is. Kyle, do you want to make a double-worthy prediction so we uh, all have doubles? What do you got? Uh, I don't know if this is actually going to be a double or not. Um, I, I'm just, I, I'm sticking with it because it's, it's what I got. I'm going to say that Cincinnati will be the first group of five team to make the college football playoff. Okay. Um, well, according to 538, Cincinnati has a 28% chance of making the college football playoff. Um, so a, to me, that seems a like double. a double. Yeah. Yep. Why it worked out that way. Double, double. I didn't even know if it would be. <laughs> Hearing no objections from Wyatt, I think it's a double. That's a double. So with four doubles, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 146 of the 8311 cast. Catch you all again next week on episode 147. But in the meantime, signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tito. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Beat Purple Kansas. <laughs>